0: Hello and welcome to The Activist Podcast, brought to you by Vegan FTA, vegan for the animals. I'm your host, Gareth Kerr, and I'll also be joined by my wonderful co-host and wife, Jackie Norman. In this episode, we have the incredible Ryuji Chua, aka Peace by Vegan. Ryuji's mission is to connect humans with other animals by telling compelling and engaging stories through his content. This episode is a great resource for anyone putting out vegan content on social media platforms and wants to tell stories that will resonate with more people. We hope you learn as much from this episode as we did and be sure to check us out on our social media pages at VeganFTA on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube where you can also find the series in video format.
1: For joining us today. We often hear our users saying, if you can't help yourself, then how can you help others? Your story is a perfect example of this, in how by helping yourself, you have also gone on to help others in a huge way. Would you mind sharing your story with our viewers of how you dedicated yourself to becoming the person you wanted to be rather than just waiting for that to happen?
2: Sure. So I guess the story starts in high school. And when I was in high school, Sunday was my least favorite day of the week. And the reason why is not because the next morning would be Monday morning, is because when I would wake up on Sunday, I would log into Facebook and consistently, I would see photos of all the cool kids in my class going to parties. And the reason I hated seeing that was because I was never invited to those parties. And all I ever wanted was to be invited to those parties and be part of the cool kids, but I just wasn't. And the really tragic part about that, I think, is that in my mind, my self dialogue at the time sounded something like, you are the most uncool person, you're never going to make cool friends, Uh, no girl is ever going to be attracted to you, right? And that's all I was pretty much thinking about at the time as as a teenager who was going through puberty. And I think that's why I was really drawn to the world of personal development, where I don't know how it happened, but at some point, I was on the internet, and I stumbled upon these people who were talking about how basically they used to struggle too with things like lack of confidence or being angry at the world. But by working on themselves, they were able to overcome that. And being really drawn to this, I started listening to people who would talk about this, right? And little by little, I got drawn into this world and I started reading books and listening to audio programs and watching videos, et cetera, et cetera. And what I learned from that is a few things. But some of the key lessons I learned from that time in my life that I, I think I was very fortunate to have that is one I learned that I shouldn't be attached to any ideas that I have or I shouldn't be attached to things that I'm currently doing. So in other words, I lost the fear of changing because it became clear to me that whatever I was doing in my life, it wasn't working. <laughs> and so maybe if I changed it, something else would happen. And so I, I basically told myself, okay, it's okay to change. In fact, it's a good thing to change. And then I also learned that for example, if there is something that I want for myself, whether it be, uh, I, I want to be happier or I want to be more confident, I want to have more friends. It's something that's even though today, it seems unattainable. If I work on it, I can get there, right? It's similar to if you are trying to hike up a mountain and you look at the top of the mountain, it seems really far, but if you just walk towards the mountain and you take you take it one step at a time, you're eventually going to get there. So it's a similar idea there. And then I also learned that I should be a lifelong perpetual learner. Everyone that I started looking up to at that time in my life all talked about how they were obsessed with reading books and learning about new things that they didn't know about. And at the time, I didn't like school very much, but I slowly but surely fell in love with the idea of learning and learning things that were interesting to me and learning things that I didn't yet know about. And so it's through that mindset that a few years later, I stumbled upon a book called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by this guy called Yuval Noah Harari. And it was a history book. The reason why I picked it up is because of all the things that I think I was proficient at in my life at the time. Uh, When I was in high school, I was really good at math, for example. I was really good at science. Or at home, that's when I started making videos. So I was pretty good at that. But a a subject that I could never quite grasp was history. And so I told myself, well, I should probably learn about history. (laughs) Like, it sounds like a good idea, right? Like, adults talk about history all the time. So maybe I should know a thing or two about it. And the book, Sapiens... a book about history but it talks about it from a very particular point of view where instead of just recounting events and saying this happened and then this happened it talks about big sweeping movements like the agricultural revolution or big ideologies things like religion or capitalism and the author talks about how those forces shaped history and what we can learn from those things and so around maybe page two or three hundred of the book there was a chapter which is maybe the most influential chapter I ever read in any book ever to this date. And it was a chapter about modern animal farming. And now, to frame kind of like where I was at that time, when it came to the topic of modern animal farming, I knew nothing at all. As in, I had never thought about it or if I had thought about it, it's maybe because I was scrolling through my Facebook feed one day and there was a post that says something like cruelty at McDonald's farm or something like that, that people used to share a lot and people still share those things. Um, But I I would never click on it. I would just see it in passing and then make a mental note in in the back of my mind that, well, there's probably something really bad going on there, but I I don't really want to know about it. So that was my extent of what I knew about animal farming. But on the other hand, because of this journey that I was on of personal development and of being open to learning new things, I basically realized that oh, this author is talking about something that might be really uncomfortable in a second, but I should probably learn about it. And it's okay that I'm not comfortable with it. That's how you grow. The way you grow is you expose yourself to things that are outside your comfort zone and that make you uncomfortable and that you accept them and then you learn from them, and you grow from them, right? It's like when you try to learn how to ride a bicycle, you gotta fall. So it's kind of like the same thing here. And I realized that, okay, I need to take this seriously. And that chapter was incredibly shocking because first it described the standard legal practices of modern animal farming, things like what happens in the egg industry or the dairy industry, the meat industry. But the deeper point it made was a point that illuminated why modern animal farming was broken. And what the author said is he basically said that what modern farmers have found out is that to have an animal farm, you need to tend to what is called the objective needs of the animals, but not necessarily their subjective needs. So to explain that as a human, for example, I need things like food and water in order to survive. But there are other things that I also do in my day-to-day life that I don't need to do per se. I'm not going to die if I don't do them, but I like doing them. Things like hanging out with my friends or watching anime or making videos. These are things that I like to do, but I don't have to do them. But nevertheless, they're a big part of my life. So animals who are not humans, they're very different from us, but they also have those things that they want to do that they don't have to do in order to survive. Things like hanging out with their families, bonding with their children, playing, roosting, or you know taking a dust bath if you're a chicken. Right, They're very different things from humans, but they have those things too. And what happens in modern animal farming is that you don't have to give those things to animals. As long as they're fed, the operation succeeds, right? What they figured out is that when you buy bacon at a store, the pig who was killed for that bacon doesn't have to be happy or healthy or live a good life for you to have that bacon. It doesn't matter whatsoever. And because of that, coupled with the growing demand for animal products, modern factory farms have become an absolutely horrible place for animals. And reading about that i was like that that makes a lot of sense and it was really shocking to me and what was maybe the most shocking is how i had never thought about that like if you think about it i consumed animal products every day of my life but at the same time i never seriously thought about like where where do these products come from like it, it was it was really shocking to me in that moment and that's when I realized that, oh, this is something that I should do something about. I I don't want to live in a world where this is what's happening to animals. And very tellingly, the author said, people don't wake up in the morning thinking to themselves, I want to kill a pig today so I can eat bacon. They're just eating the bacon and they're disconnected and they're indifferent to what is happening, not because they're bad people, but just because it's so far um, out of sight, out, out of sight, out of mind. And so in that moment, that's when I changed, and I first started opposing the exploitation of animals, and as a result of that, I became vegan. And what I find really, not insightful, I would say, but what stands out to me in that story is how what was so important for me in that moment, learning about all this new information, was that I was open-minded to this information. And the only reason that I was open-minded to the information at the time was because I kind of pulled myself out of a really dark place that I was in, and I finally felt somewhat happy with myself, where I somewhat understood how to socialize and make friends, and I didn't feel like uh, like horrible inside all the time, and therefore I had the mental bandwidth to kind of care about things that were outside of me, and that's ultimately, you know, what what allowed me to be open to these ideas, and you know, to answer your question, that's how for me helping myself has eventually led me to discover that, hey, personal growth and becoming a better version of myself is not just about how I can win, but it's about how I can create a better world for everyone who lives on this planet.
0: Well, Thank you so much for sharing yeah, that. I always love so hearing sweet. that story. And um, there's a lot of parts of that I can relate to, especially uh, with how I was in school and stuff too. Yeah. But uh, if only more people though would have that opening and realization much earlier on in life, like you did, you know, because there's so many of us were trying to fix our, of broken lives, you know, halfway down the track already, but it's absolutely fantastic. And one thing that we see come up uh, very frequently in people's vegan journeys is it's always about the alignment of the messenger at the right time. And for you, Sapiens, you know, was that perfect messenger, mm-hmm. perfect sort of timing, um, all came together. And now as a vegan educator on platforms like YouTube and social media, uh, do you relish having more of these messengers coming up in your field of activism, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean I think it's a I think it's a pretty awesome thing that more and more people are are taking on this role. And I think that there are more and more people now who want to take on a role of educator or of change maker. Um you know, especially for people who say are vegan, the reason that a lot of people become vegan if they become vegan for ethical reasons or for the animals is because they want to create a change. Right? The story that I was told when I first became vegan was that well, I can vote with my money by boycotting animal products. I can help create a world where those products no longer exist. And ultimately, the reason why I do that is because I want to see that change happen. And that's why I think that a lot of people who if you make that change for that reason, then you probably have this thought inside of you that you want to do more. Right. And I think it's awesome that people have that and that more and more people are, are actually doing it.
1: Definitely. I mean, we've uh, we've been following you for a while now, and and for someone who was, um, you know, as, as you described, uh, supposedly uncool when you were younger, I mean, you know, you're definitely one of the coolest vegans I know. Which is, I mean, you know, <laughs> you jumped out at us from the start, you know. So we've been following following you for for quite a long time now, and um, to, to listen to a lot of your content and and, um, and interviews that you've done before, you know, we we talk a lot about how important it is to find your why in veganism. Um, and I totally agree with that. However, in activism, it seems equally important and, and certainly from listening to you and, and the things that you've said in the past have resonated with me so much. It seems just as important to find your who, you know, in, in who you want to be as an activist and what kind of angle you're going to take and where your strengths are, which is so much of what this series is about. Um, would you agree with that? Is in finding your who is, is as important as finding your why, or at least pretty high up there.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a kind of like a really complicated question. Do we know the objective reality? Not really, but yeah, I think it's important. But I think it's important not just for activism, but just for life in general. I think that if you know who you are in life, that's just that's just really helpful because it helps you create boundaries around what you will allow in your life and what you won't allow in your life. Like when I was younger and when I was a teenager. Um, I didn't know who I was. And that resulted in me doing things that I didn't want to do. Uh, Whether it be, you know, trying to learn how to like coffee or alcohol or, you know, like things like that that I just dabbled in. Where when I was in high school, I would go to parties and I would drink a lot. And I didn't do it because I wanted to do that. I just did it because I thought that's what I got to do to be socially accepted. And later in life, I figured out that I, you know, I never liked doing that. I, I don't think it's wrong to do it. People can do whatever they want, but it, it wasn't for me. I don't like the taste of alcohol and I don't like, there, there's just nothing about it that I see as a plus for me. And after figuring that out about myself, I was able to create boundaries around what I do and what I don't do. So in life in general, I think it's just really helpful to find yourself. And uh, you know, I'm saying this as someone who is still on that journey. I, I wouldn't say that I fully know who I am And a lot of what I do is kind of in an attempt to self-discovery, whether it be the content that I make or just how I live my life and my day-to-day life. But in my contents, when I, when I make things, I'm always trying to find my own unique, unique voice. Um, And that's a journey that we all go through. But in activism, I think it's important because it aligns you with what your particular strengths are and what, like, basically, if you think about the world of, activists or the world of people who are trying to make the world a better place through some sort of action. There are many different people doing many different things. So the question is, how do you know where you fit? It's kind of like a giant puzzle. How do you know what puzzle piece you are? And the only way to really figure that out and to figure out where you're going to fit the best and where you're going to be able to have the, the most impact and work the most passionately and really do what you feel like you're meant to do. Well, the reason you do that is by finding who you are and understanding what resonates with you, understanding what you're good at, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So yeah, that's definitely something that for me has been really helpful because finding your why just gives you kind of this, this drive to go and do something, do anything. But it's almost like finding your who actually leads you to taking actions that create tangible results and where you really feel like you're doing something more than just, you know, being a pawn, um, but you're actually being a leader in the movements. Mm, that's some fantastic advice. Yeah, I love that description, yeah. It's
0: all too easy to try and fill a mold that's already there, you know, but sometimes you got to either break that one or cast your own mold, as you're saying, and then, um, yeah, really fit it to who you are. And hopefully uh, for our viewers watching this series, they're finding some molds that they want to copy and create themselves. But um, what's that out on your vegan journey, uh, we understand that you had to deal with feeling like an outsider again, though. It wasn't just, you know, straight away uh clear, clear sureties straight from the thing. We spoke to vegan psychiatrist Claire Mann previously in this series, and she spoke about dystopia. I'm not sure if you're um, familiar with this term, but it's the I'm gonna have to read this one very carefully because <laughs> this, so this, is this, this is the stumbler. This <laughs> is the stumbler. so Vistopia is the awareness of the trance-like collusion. Um with uh, and this substantial existential uh, no rewrite.
1: It's <laughs> becoming aware of the trance-like collusion with a dystopian world and the subsequent existential crisis that comes with it.
0: I read that one like a hundred times before the interview. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so having that dystopia, so being in this world and people not understanding our um, our views against it, you know, uh, our existentialism versus theirs. So, um, during one of your videos, you spoke about a drive you took with a friend out into the countryside and you came across a paddock with some cows and stuff in there and you, uh, you pulled over to, to go and see them. And in this moment, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the experience that you had there and then the need, you know, the feeling that you had that you needed to hide it from your friend then, you know, to hide that emotion you were feeling from seeing these beings?
2: Yeah. So, to give context to this, 2015 is when I first became aware of how horrible modern animal farming was and that's when i started opposing the use and exploitation of animals but up to that point in my life i had never come in contact with farm animals and that's one of the problems with modern animal farming is that a lot of people you know i grew up in a city like paris i have never seen a chicken farm or a pig farm or a cow farm or dairy farm it's just not something that i have ever personally seen in real life and so about a year after I learned about this, I was on a road trip to. Uh, I was on a road trip throughout the Southwest part of the United States. And I can't remember exactly where it was, but one of those days we drove past what I now recognize to be a dairy farm. I didn't know at the time, all I saw was a bunch of cows. And something compelled me to just stop right there. So I told my friend who was driving, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. So he stopped the car and I told him, wait a second, I gotta go check this out, I'll be right back. Now, I knew in the back of my mind that I probably shouldn't do that. I'd recently learned about how people who investigate farms often get arrested and things like that, so I was was really scared. But I overcame that and I realized that I should probably take this opportunity to witness what I have been learning about. And I think my expectation going in was to see the horrible conditions, the animals, We're in. So I jumped the fence and I go up to basically where all the cows are. And sure enough, it's pretty filthy, it's pretty bad. But what really captured me and what I can't forget from that day is how when I went up to the cows, they all came towards me and they all seemed really curious. And then I put out my hand and some of them started sniffing my hand, some other ones started licking my hand, and we were all kind of interacting and connecting for a second. And The experience I had then was that those cows have just as much of a personality and someone inside as the animals that we typically love in our society, animals like cats or dogs or maybe rabbits or whoever, right? And that's something that I had never experienced before. I kind of heard about it that, you know, and I kind of knew that cows are also animals, but until that moment, I had never experienced them. And experiencing them like that uh, just gave a whole new meaning to all the horrible things I knew were happening to animals. Because it's one thing to tell yourself, factory farms are a horrible place, but the way you see chickens and cows and pigs is you see them as quote-unquote livestock. You kind of see them and you're like, well, okay, it's bad, but okay, whatever. But seeing those cows in that farm and interacting with them it made it click in my mind that the way that I should feel about those places is as if someone had a factory farm, but they were farming dogs. If I saw that, the way that I would feel inside would be horrible because I have connected with dogs a lot throughout my life. But for whatever reason, I didn't have that connection with cows. And in that moment, that's the connection that I formed. And I realized that, oh, wait a second. In all the ways that matter, these cows are really no different from all the animals that I've learned to love and appreciate and respect in my life. Eventually, this worker came down the road and said, hey, you, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was stunned. And he told me that I had to leave. And so I hopped the fence back uh, onto the road. I went into the car and I told my friend, let's get out of here. And he started driving. Now, thinking about this on the way out That was an experience again that I'll never forget from an emotional standpoint, because I had suddenly become aware of this thing for the first time in my life that I already knew that factory farms were bad, but I didn't emotionally understand that all those animals are animals who have experiences just like me. And when I thought about that farm that I just left, it occurred to me that because animal farming is a slaughter industry in the sense that every animal that is raised for food, or frankly anything else, is eventually going to be killed when they're no longer profitable, well, I realized that all those animals they just connected to, in a few months at the very most, they're going to be killed in a slaughterhouse. They're going to be trucked to this building where they're going to be hung upside down and they're going to have their throats slit. They're gonna to wanna to escape from there. They're gonna be scared. They're they're gonna be horrified and they're gonna suffer both physically and mentally. And that really sunk into me. And I realized that I like I just left them. For me, I get to go live my life, but they don't. They're trapped there until they're gonna be killed. And I, I just became so sad in that moment. And so I um I I started crying. And at the time in the car, I was the only person who was kind of aware of all this. And so, you know, I I was the only person who was visibly emotionally upset. And I I remember very distinctly, I turned my head towards the window so that they they wouldn't see me or hear me crying. But of of course they did because I I wasn't just like tearing up. I was like crying, crying, you know. And um yeah, and it it was it was it was awful. And I really did feel in that moment like I couldn't share that with my friends too which you know which which made it even worse because i was like i I feel so horrible but i don't even feel like they'll understand and maybe they would have i i don't know for sure but i for sure felt like i couldn't share this with them and i was almost you know ashamed that i felt this way because unfortunately we live in a world where if you speak up for dogs or you speak up for dolphins or you speak up for animals that everyone loves like rhinos and elephants people see you as a hero. But as soon as you speak up for cows and chickens and pigs and turkeys and fish, now all of a sudden, people see you like a clown, right? And they make fun of you and they think that you are some sort of extreme vegan or something like that, right? And because of that, I just felt like I couldn't share that with my friends and I just kept it to myself and yeah, I just remember feeling extremely sad and angry in that moment
1: almost had me tearing up there I, I was a i worked on new zealand dairy farms for for 18 years um and yeah i'm just listening to you describe what you were so affected by where i wasn't um
0: you were so conditioned i was so entrenched
1: yeah but you know i can just picture being back there in that field and and having you know cows do do that and they have very very different personalities and um yeah sorry that was just an aside but yeah I was worried I was gonna get teary just because it's it's so true um and you know it's, it's such a shame that more people don't have that experience like you say with with dolphins and rhinos and all that all those kind of storybook animals that are cute or, or protected or whatever you know everyone has that immediate sort of reaction to 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 want to protect and not want to hurt but um yeah it's interesting what you say about we kind of have this distance don't we because so much about farming is kept from us we we don't see slaughterhouses out in the open we don't really see what happens to cows or chickens and all of that um and wouldn't it be wonderful you know if more people could have the the experience that you did where you could actually get that close to the animals and, and see you know just how different they are and how individual they are and how so much like us they are but um you know over the course of this series we've Seen that one of the greatest strengths of our strongest advocates like yourself is often humility and being able to accept when you were wrong. We understand that being able to do this is something very close to your heart. Um, how does acceptance of our mistakes and growing from them improve our ac- advocacy and activism? I'm just again, advocacy.
2: <laughs> well, learning from your mistakes is In one of the ways, the only way that you're ever going to learn about anything, you're never going to learn about anything without making mistakes. You're never going to learn a skill without making mistakes. I was very fortunate that from a very young age, I got involved in a lot of things that required me to fail over and over and over again. So when I was three years old, I started playing the piano. And then later I did things like karate or I did soccer or, you know, multiple sports. And then I started making videos. And the thing that you learn very quickly is that If you want to learn how to play an instrument, then you have to make mistakes. If you want to learn how to ride a bike, you have to fall off. And that's how you learn about things. And for whatever reason, I feel like there are some things that we're very open to hearing that about, and then other things where we're not open to hearing about that. So for example, if someone is trying to learn an instrument, it's very apparent that you have to make mistakes and that there's no problem in making mistakes. If someone was trying to learn how to play the piano and they insisted that everything they did was always right, you would think that they're going about it the wrong way. It makes sense. It's very natural that we stumble and fumble and then people tell our teachers tell us, "How can you be better?" and then you do exercises, etc., etc. But when it comes to other things, sometimes not right. So for example, one of the ones that I was stuck in personally was how to how to be how to be more emotionally intelligent in social situations so growing up i had no idea how to connect with people or how to make friends and then i learned that well that is also a skill that you learn if i practice it and i make mistakes along the way i'm going to have awkward interactions with people but i'm going to get better and it's okay that sometimes i have awkward interactions with people all right so in that sense that's how you grow and even when truths or Instead of saying truths, I should say, when you look at the world and the world is not the way that you want it to be, but it's a different way, I think that we should always be open to looking at that, right? So, for example, uh, the idea that factory farms is a horrible place for animals, or the idea that maybe what we do to animals cannot be morally justified if you think about it rationally. Those are ideas that are very uncomfortable for people to confront. But I think we should reframe that and not see those things as things that are uncomfortable, but rather see them as opportunities for growth. Um, Because then if we do that, not only can we live a better life ourselves, but we can also create a better world for everyone, right? The way that we move forward as a culture and as a world is we question the things that we've done in the past and we think about how can we do this but better? This idea that we should try to preserve culture above all else, I think is a ridiculous idea. Is culture important? Of course it is. I'm not insinuating that we shouldn't respect culture and appreciate culture and things like that. But we also shouldn't be scared to criticize culture where it fails to be moral or where it fails to deliver justice towards either certain humans or other animals. We should look at that, think about it, criticize it, and ultimately seek to change it. And the only way we can do that is to accept that, hey, we're not going to be we're not going to be right about everything. And that's something that just never ends. Right. Where sometimes you have people for I'll take as, as a vegan, I can look in my own community. But this is in every community where I see that sometimes it seems like vegans think that they're the end all be all just because they're vegan and now they can't be wrong about anything. And that's just the most ridi- the ridiculous idea ever. The, like when you realize that you've been wrong about say eating animal products and you change as a result of that, the conclusion shouldn't be, oh, I figured this out. So now I see through everything. The conclusion should be, what else am I wrong about? What else can I learn about that is going to maybe change me, but it's going to ultimately make me a better person is going to help me make the world a better place. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, the crucial importance of accepting your your mistakes and where you're wrong.
0: Well, thank you for that. One of our recent speakers, uh, Jordi Casimajana made a very similar point to that. And yeah, it's fantastic. You know, vegan isn't the, the end goal, you know, having a vegan world is, you know, we've got to continually evolve upon that and evolve upon ourselves to become the better beings. Um, on your YouTube channel, Peace by Vegan, which I highly recommend everyone checked out. We will be having the links for this in the description. You've gained a substantial following um, for your activism. Uh, we believe it must be down to your natural charisma, your positivity, even when uh, approaching these difficult areas of conversation. Um, but in your most recent videos, you've been doing quite a few sort of parodies and topical issues on like kindness responses and uh, things like that. Um, one thing I love is the humor in it is uh, is this part of your activist method incorporating that humor
2: yeah it is so i think it's partly it's partly for partly for that and partly also for myself All right so i think that when i look at my career as a content creator if you want to call it a career it's just basically 2 years of me well i've been putting videos out on the internet for as long as since 2008 but for animal rights content i've been doing it only for about maybe 2 to 3 years now now the first Two years of that, I put out very serious content, and I felt like on one hand it wasn't representing my full personality. Like in my day-to-day life, I am a very playful person, or at least I try to be. Sometimes I'm not. I might not be fun or funny all the time, but I try, right? I try to have fun with people. I try to laugh every day. I try to have a good time, and that's something that I felt didn't come through in my content. And the other thing is, when I when I look back at some of my old videos, it just looks like I'm taking myself so seriously. And I think it's okay to take a subject very seriously, but I don't think it's helpful to take yourself very seriously. Like, who am I, right? I'm just some kid talking, saying some stuff, like whatever, man, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, who who am I? So I I didn't want this image of me out there where I'm, I'm just taking myself so seriously. And also when I look at great works of fiction or nonfiction, whether they're books or movies or documentaries, there always seems to be. A part in it that's comedic. Even in the most serious books that I read, there'll be a joke in there, or there'll be lots of jokes in there, or parts where the author is a little bit sarcastic, right? And those are the parts that kind of wake you up where you're like, oh, that, that was kind of funny. And it keeps you engaged throughout the entire thing. As an educator, I feel like what's really important is not just to think about how can I have my message heard by others. Well, first, I should back up. I think. When you first start out, you think about something along the lines of, what do I want to say? Right? People say, people think, I have this idea of what I think the world should hear, and I'm just going to say it. And that's all you think about at first. Then you evolve a little bit, and you realize that it's not all about me. It's actually about you. And so what I should do is not think about what I want to say, but think about how you are going to understand what I'm saying. It's, it's a completely different way of thinking where you're not putting your words as the top priority, you're putting the other person's understanding as the top priority. But then beyond that, I think it's also important to think about how you're gonna make people feel. And in order to have someone listen to you, engage with your, your ideas and engage with you ultimately, you have to emotionally engage them in some way, shape, or form, and humor is just a great way of doing that. And now, in the long term, I don't intend on making just funny videos, but one thing that I do for myself is that whenever I want to learn something new, I'm gonna do a project around it. So, before the first kind of like full comedic video I made, I never really made any sort of funny videos. I've never done it. It was my first time ever doing it. I never even incorporated a joke in a video before. And so that was a big new step for me. And so I realized, well, you know, l- let me let me just go full out. Let me just try to make a full video that's fully based around comedy and see how I can do that. And doing that allows me to learn about that. And then I did it a few more times. And through that, you know, even if you look at my different comedic videos, you can see that there are different styles. Some of them are more like in a like a video essay kind of style, right? Another one is like more like a skit. Another one is, you know, so I I try these different things and the reason I try them is because I'm always looking to other content creators that I admire outside of my subject matter and I look at what I love about them and there are content creators out there that if you look at some of my comedic content and you look at what they did, what I did is basically almost a copy of what they did. It's not completely copying it because I completely changed the subject and stuff like that. But as for the tone and the humor and the visuals and all that, those are all things that I, I learned from others. And those projects for me were opportunities for me to, to learn those skills. I was like, I love what this person is doing. Let me see if I can do it too. And so I try it and then I learn from it. And then I'm like, great, I learned how to do this. Now let me try to do this. And the hope is that by trying all these different types of content, I can learn skills so that eventually more and more, I can start to combine all those things and make something that's truly uh, unique to me. And that really fits the long-term vision of what I wanna create uh, as far as content goes. Stop the podcast. We would like to take a moment to give a shout out to one of our
0: partners, VFC. VFC makes some great tasting food that doesn't cost a wing and a leg. They take fresh, wholesome plants, work some magic, then deep fry them to create vegan fried chicken. All the taste without the suffering. No chickens are harmed in the making of VFC ever. Head on over to vfc.co.uk to get yours today. Now, back to the podcast.
1: That's awesome. I really look forward to seeing, uh, you know, future content. And you're so right about humour. When Gareth and I first went vegan, we were in the middle of, of rural farmland New Zealand. As You know, we were surrounded by farmers and, and rural people. And I think they immediately thought that we were going to suddenly be, you know, very staunch and serious and just stop having a sense of humour kind of thing. And the first thing that we did was really prove them wrong by...
0: Mm if we'd taken ourselves seriously, we would have got run out of town. But the thing is, we were able to make jokes about ourselves and uh, like the groundskeeper would come along and he's on his lawnmower, you know, and we'd say, hey, he brought us Meals on Wheels, have you? You know, like the old uh, vegans <laughs> eating grass joke, you know. And because we were able to engage with him with that sort of in, uh, discussion, you know, um, yeah, it got him to start asking more questions and talking on it. And that's the whole thing. If you can elicit our emotional response, whether it's um, happiness um, well are laughing the, the sadness yeah. anger any sort of emotional response people are more engaged whether it's via content or whether it's a discussion in person
1: yeah and just being approachable i think that helps you know be, being humorous and not taking ourselves so seriously has probably led to more productive um and beneficial conversations on, on both sides than than you know taking yourself too seriously so oh, I, w- I will look forward to uh to future peace five vegan uh, one you. thing <laughs> we always enjoy a vegan fta um it, you know we, we love creative activism like yours and, and we do love that about your channel and outreach that incorporates food has seen a rise in popularity over the last year or so um you know even joey Carbstrong, he's making it a predominant uh resource pre-lockdown and one creative way that you did this which we loved was your donut question challenge and the use of multiple choice questions really engage the participants and as you progress through the video you know we can really see their thought patterns begin to emerge can you tell our viewers about the experience of this outreach event and how you came up with the decision to include multiple choice questions as a co- opposed to just the standard question and answer formats that we see in uh, so many other forms of acti- activist outreach I'm really stumbling sure. over my words activist <laughs> outreach I
0: think I've put the stumbles out there in this video yeah this yeah nightfall. sure <laughs>
2: so to give a little bit of context i made a video about a year ago and in that video what i do is I, I i wanted to find a way to share the reality of the dairy and egg industries with the general public um but the challenges those industries are are really horrible industries and when you look at what they're doing in there no, i'm not talking about the illegal stuff just the legal stuff it's it's really awful and so the challenge is, how do you do that in a way where the whole experience is not emotionally draining for everyone involved, right? The traditional way of, of talking about the dairy and egg industry is you basically say, look how, look how horrible it is. And maybe you show people a video of how horrible it is. And then you talk about it, and maybe you have an argument. And the whole experience is just emotionally unpleasant, which is why for me, i I never enjoyed watching a lot of you know public outreach videos on the topic of animal rights in particular. I enjoyed watching videos of street interviews from other content creators that were about other topics. but for whatever reason, I felt like we never really hit the mark on um, on that genre of content in in our niche. and when I asked myself why, I came to the conclusion that When I watch other people, because there are a ton of people who do videos where they basically go out in the streets and they will talk to people and ask them questions or do a quiz or just ask random questions. There's so many different variants of that. But what makes them great, in my opinion, and what makes them enjoyable experiences is that it's all in good fun. And at the end of the day, you can tell that the person who's asking the questions and the people who are answering, they're on the same team and creating an experience that's fun for everyone involved right and so i asked myself this is the challenge how do i take a topic like animal rights that's a serious topic that is uncomfortable for a lot of people to talk about and create an experience that's emotionally similar to other street interview videos that i've seen that i really liked that was the challenge that i set out for myself and then I started thinking about maybe I can make it into some sort of game with like maybe even a reward or something like that. And eventually, I came up with the idea of making a multiple choice question. And if people got a certain number of questions right, or even if they didn't, if they participated, they would win a donut and they would be able to eat um, eat the donut. So I thought maybe that, that's a great way to to get people in. And then the the quiz is more around like like how much. It's it's not really about like. Oh, look! Look how horrible this thing is, and look how bad of a person you are for supporting this. It's more around like, let's see what you know about this topic. And for all of it, I, you know, I think that one of the reasons that this, that succeeded, for example, is that the people who participated in that video, when I was doing it, they, they didn't really know who I was or what I stood for. They didn't know that I was an animal rights activist. They didn't even know that the donut I was going to give them at the end was vegan. They didn't they didn't know any of that. Right? And I wasn't hiding it, but I was, I was just, it was not about that. It was not about who I was. It was just about, hey, let's see if you can answer those questions and see if, you know, oh, you, you you knew that? Well, it's cool that you knew that. You didn't know that? Oh, like, you know. And even though, like, it's its not like all fun and games because the questions lead to horrible answers. Like, <laughs> because it's just, that, that's the part that's unavoidable. But I, I did find that overall, the participants in... That in, that in that video um, had an overall positive experience while at the same time learning something new. I'm actually still in touch with uh, two people from that video um, and it seemed like that video did, like doing, having that experience did have some sort of measurable impact on their life. Now, of course, that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, it's just two people, um, but at least I feel like I was able to create a good experience for them. And um, from the feedback I got on the video, a lot of people enjoyed it, and that was part of the reason I did it too. Was because, uh, you know, I and and going back to like the community content, what I'm always cautious of when I put stuff out on the internet is I think about how do I want to make someone feel, and I realize that if I put out videos that are, you know, upsetting in the sense that it shows animal abuse or it's an argument, it's an emotionally negative experience for people and i i like i'm like i guess maybe that's important sometimes but i i just that's not all i want to become and i want people to be able to enjoy what i do not because not just because they think what i'm doing is important but also because it's a fun experience for them to witness that and to be a part of that
0: I highly encourage that all of our viewers here check out that video as well. Cause it's
2: it's absolutely fantastic watching it and just how
0: engaged the people are. And um one of the guys in particular, he's getting although he knows the answers are all really horrible, he's getting like sort of he wants to win this, you know, he wants to to get all 10 questions right, you know. And um he, also the people going through it are sort of the more that they realise that when they know the bad things, that they're like they know this, and so you just sort of see the gears turning and it's fantastic. It's just a brilliant way of yeah, capturing their minds and and putting them through it. And as you say, not through a hugely negative cycle, but um, one of the key components of your channel is striving to inspire and empower people to become not just vegan, but also activists. How important is it that we encourage people to not only live vegan, but also keep their end goals in mind?
2: I mean, I think it's of crucial importance. Like at the end of the day, if you're gonna dedicate any amount of your time to doing anything, or if you're gonna spend energy doing something, I think you should know why i mean like i I guess sometimes you do things for no reason you do things for fun but if it's anything that you take remotely seriously then i think it's important to set an end goal as to why is it that you're you're doing this in the first place like i said earlier i think people say become vegan because they want to create a change and i think more and more when we look at people's responses to what we're doing to animals and what happens to animals in factory farms and when we question people on do you think it's right that we do this to animals, a lot of people feel like it's not right. And that's a great first step. But it's also important to remember that just realizing that is not going to do anything. We, If we don't like something, we got to actively do something to change it in the same way where for me, when I was a teenager and I didn't understand how to make friends or I didn't understand how to be emotionally intelligent in a social situation, the solution is not just to be like, I don't like this. The solution is to be like, what can I do to change this? And let me start doing something about it. So if you realize that I don't like what we're doing to animals, I think factory farms are horrible. I don't know if I can justify killing animals for a sandwich. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That seems like an injustice, which it is. If you think that, then it's important that it doesn't just stay in thoughts and in words, but it translates into action. And what that action is going to be for each and every one of us, that's not my place to say. I, I don't know, we all have different ways of going about it. Um, we should all learn from each other, not, not do random things, we should learn from each other, but we're all gonna do different things. But I think it's important that we that we do that. And so I think it's important that we show that, hey, if you want to do something about this, you can. And you should, and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to join a great community. Hopefully (laughs) it's up to us to make it a good community. But, um, you know, I think it's important that we, we show that to people that it's an opportunity. And that's the way that I like to frame it. It's not as something that you should do because that's the only way that you're going to be a good person or something like that. Even though you could, you could argue that. But for me, it's more, hey, if you want to see this change happen in the world, you can be a part of it. How cool is that, right? And that's how I try to frame it as an opportunity that people can take if they so desire to see this change happen in the world.
1: Absolutely. It's all about accentuating those positives, isn't it? And and just um, making people realize, you know, um. I heard you say in an interview with Kevin Luna on his empathy podcast, which was a fantastic interview that, um, you know, rather than simply saying I'm an activist, you identify as an animal liberation activist specifically by prefixing our activism with um, our primary focus, like animal liberation. Do you feel that this helps to further conversations in the directions that we wish to advocate for?
2: I mean, it depends. I think I'm, I'm probably not as attached to that as I was back then. Now it's more a thing for myself and how I see myself. But the big distinction I make for me that I think is important, both in terms of how I see myself and in terms of how I talk to people or how I make content, is the idea that when I started... Okay, so my, my online handle is Peas by Vegan. And that's something that I'm, I'm really thinking about these days. And it's really a decision that I kind of regret because... To me, what I realized and what's very important to me now is that what I'm talking about is not veganism, I'm talking about animals, I'm talking about animal rights, that there's a difference between saying, you should go vegan and talking about, hey, what we are doing to animals is awful, it's wrong, we should stop it. Those are two separate things, they're different. And what I want to do is I want to do the latter where when I first started making videos, there was this big boom in this thing that are called vegan activists, right? And people identified as these vegan advocates because we're advocating for veganism. And the idea is that the world is gonna stop exploiting animals when everyone becomes vegan. Now, is that a part of the solution? Probably, but is that the whole solution? I, I don't think it is. I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that, that that is not the entire solution at all. and. I feel like that's just derailing the conversation from what's really important, where when people talk about veganism, the issue is is that they're talking about the food, right? So they're talking about the act of eating meat or consuming dairy. And what's forgotten is everything that has happened for that food to be there in the first place. So if you're gonna eat bacon, a pig had to be bred into the world They had to be confined and eventually killed. That's like very broad strokes. Their life is horrible, but that's what happens. And when we talk about veganism, we're only talking about whether or not we should eat the bacon. And to me, I'm like, that is not the important part. The important part is what we have done to this pig, the suffering that this pig has endured. That is what's important. The reason we care about the bacon thing is because we care about this thing. Right. But when we talk about veganism, the conversation so often gets confined to this to this small thing where it is is just about the food and we completely forget about the big picture and what's really important, which is the plight of the animals, which is why now I'm very clear that, you know, I'm not talking about being vegan or veganism. I am a vegan. But what I talk about is animals what i talk about is animal rates and the plight of animals and how that's wrong and how we have to end this 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 is what i'm talking about and i try to be very clear about that
0: yeah we see that um with a few of our primary activists through this you know that's the keeping the focus on the actual Mm -hmm. the victims themselves you know keep the focus on the animals and uh, that's where it needs to stick but um to lighten things up a little bit Uh, We noticed in your recent videos, you've been using anime clips as B-roll for YouTube videos. I love that. I've loved me a bit of anime myself. What led you to start using this sort of content um, to help convey stories, you know? And um, i got to ask you, do you have any top picks uh, for us to check out?
2: Sure thing. So the reason I started putting anime clips in my videos is very simple. It's just because I like anime. Um, I've liked it for a long time, and part of me when i was younger i wanted to be an anime youtuber I, I i was like that seems like an awesome thing to do still to this day i watch uh, anime content on youtube and i've, I've always kind of wanted to do that and so to me, putting anime clips in my rights content is kind of my way of like being like you know i i didn't make it to be an anime youtuber but i i kind of made it a little bit it's it's a little bit there so the, the more the more technical reason why i started doing that was just because I realized at a certain point that as a content creator, I have to do something that differentiates myself from other content creators, right? Where I have to think about if people are going to watch what I have to provide, why are they going to watch it? When you first start making content, you think to yourself, maybe people are going to watch it just because they like me. And very quickly you realize that that's not true at all <laughs> like maybe at some point that becomes true if you're a celebrity but when you're not no one no one really cares and no one's really going to watch what you have to offer so you have to seriously ask yourself why would someone be interested in this why would they stay and why would they come for me specifically so i wanted to make educational content around animal rights and there are a few people who are already doing that and so the challenge for me is why would someone go to me When they can go to these people who are already more established and who are already seen as authorities on this topic, there's no reason for people to come to me if I don't do something different. So that is why I've tried a lot of different things on my personal channel where I've made videos that I feel um, are different from what other people are providing. And, you know, just putting in anime clips in those videos is me trying to do that and accentuate that and you know on one hand trying to show that this is my personality this is what i'm into um and then on another hand is trying to differentiate myself and then for people who enjoy anime like like i do i have to imagine that it's it's a cool experience to to see that because for me when i watch other people who are not content creators around anime and i discover that they like anime I love that. I, I feel an instant connection to them. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, I, I feel like we have something in common, right? Or if I listen to someone and I discover that they're vegan, it's kind of like a similar thing. They might not be talking about veganism, but I'm like, oh, that's really cool. We have this thing in common. And so it's not for everyone. You know, I try to make it so it's like you can still enjoy the content even if you don't like anime. But if you do like anime, it's like uh, it's like an extra Easter egg that's in there that uh, hopefully you can enjoy and connect with. Um, as for recommendations, so I I, I guess it depends, but if, uh, for, for anyone who's listening, if you've never watched anime and you wanted to check it out and see what it's about, I recommend checking out Death Note. It's a really easy one to get into. That's critically acclaimed. Everyone loves it. And if you already like anime, you can watch this even if you've never watched anime, but if you do watch anime and you're looking for something new to check out, if you haven't seen it, I would really recommend a show called Psychopaths. Um, which is awesome for a variety of different reasons. But one of them is that the philosophical ideas that are explored in that show um, will probably resonate with you if you also resonate with uh, animal rights. I, that's where I'll leave it. But yeah, it's a great show.
0: We live in an age of technology right now where, you know, we've got knowledge at our fingertips all the time you know, and in your video that you did uh, why I went vegan as an avid meat eater, I absolutely loved um, how you learned all these different editing techniques for it, you know, and for myself being a, a content creator, I've seen you use these techniques. I'm like, why haven't I gone and learned that one yet? Because it's, it's a fantastic video. And it's another one people need to check out on the on the YouTube channel. Um, but like when it comes to uh vegan activism and stuff like that you know so many of us we say you know i I don't know how to do you feel that you know we're in an age now that we can really sort of say like i'm not doing it because i don't know how to you know when we have so many great educators out there
2: yeah i mean at the end of the day you can say whatever you want but i also think it's important for you to realize uh that not not you but like you the general you or you the audience uh, who's who listening to this, you know, if you feel like you want to do something, you want to speak up, but you don't know how to do it. It's ultimately up to you to learn how to go do that. Everything that anyone ever does is just a culmination of the skills that they have. So when I make a video, it's not because I have this innate ability to make videos that other people don't have. It's just because I've been making videos since 2008. There's no, Secret <laughs> It's just that I worked really hard I learned skills um, when it came time for me to put animations in my videos I learned how to do animations when I wanted to film something I learned how to film things I try to learn cinematography, I try to learn editing I learned sound design I learned all these things and these are all things that you learn one by one by one by one and it takes years to master these things but if you want to do that you know it's the same analogy that I said at the beginning of the of the podcast which is right now you see yourself, wanting to do something so for example someone might look at what i'm doing or what someone else is doing and be like i want to make videos like that but i don't know how to go about that well it might seem like it's like you're you're looking at a at a distant mountain and you're like i'd love to be at the top of that mountain but i don't know how to get there well the only way you're going to get there is by starting to walk towards it you take one step then you take another step and then you take another step and then like five steps in, you feel like you haven't gotten anywhere, but it's just because you've only taken five steps and you keep going and you keep going, you keep going. And then eventually one day you're gonna be at the top of that mountain. So similarly, say if you wanna make videos, but this is just an example, then maybe one day try, like just try making a video. If you have a smartphone, just pull it out, try making something. And when you don't know how to do something, you have an obstacle, go learn how to overcome that obstacle you're like okay i shot these different clips how do i put them together oh maybe i need to use an editing software so you learn the basics of how to use an editing software then do that then make 10 videos and then you'll be like oh i'd like to add a title to my video i wonder how you do that so you learn how to add a title to your video and then you're like you know this video doesn't it doesn't sound very good i wonder how it can capture better sound when i'm making videos so then you go learn how to do that and then you're like, how can I make the shot look nicer? Then you learn how to do that. And then you're like, oh, huh, maybe I can change the color of the videos that I capture so it looks a little bit better. Then you learn how to do that. So it's just a constant process of learning new skills. And you know, don't beat yourself up if you're not really good at the beginning. Like That's what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't just take five steps and be like, oh man, I, I'm not at the top of the mountain. I'm a failure. That's not helping you. What you have to do is to understand that hey, if you're not good at doing something right now and making videos again, it's just an example. It's just because I haven't learned how to do that. And if I spend time learning how to do it, I'm not gonna be good at it today or tomorrow or next month or maybe not even next year, but maybe in a few years, I will get somewhere. And you have to have that vision in mind, the faith that you're gonna get there. And then you just keep keep moving and just keep learning new things. And uh, one day you'll look back and you'll be really surprised at how far you came.
0: Sure, like I gotta say, I would not have a career if it wasn't for YouTube how to videos,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. There's, I mean, they're really helpful resources on a lot of things, um, available for free, which is really incredible. Uh, certainly a lot more resources now than when I first started. Um, but yeah, if there's anything you want to learn. Um, it just starts with, you know, you just look up someone who's done it before. And a lot of people talk about how they've done that thing and then you go learn from them and then you try it and then, yeah, so you can do it.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I, I mean, I love the way, we, you know, we, we've been binging on your content for a while, you know, and I and i love the, you get me laughing out loud or sometimes I'll be walking down the street listening to a podcast and I'll get all teary with something that you say. You know, I i just love the way that, that you look at things and that you explain things. And, you know, quite often when you're, you're coming out with, with such important words and explanations just just like you did when you were talking about the uh, the sapiens book which i'm going to go to the library this afternoon and see if they have uh, i want to read that book but you just you sum things up so well i always wish that you know i could just have you sort of constantly playing when my friends are around or family or whatever it would be great you know we, well, we need you know, we need audio snippets by vegan as well so i can bring out at the right times <laughs>
2: Well, you know, that's that's part of that's part of the job, right? Where I I have always looked up to people who are able to express ideas in a very clear way. Yuval, the author of Sapiens, is one of those people who if you if you watch him deliver speeches, for example, or even if you read his books for a matter of fact, the way that he expresses his ideas is crystal clear. Where I it's so easy for me to follow his train of thought and I've always admired that about certain people that I've learned a lot from and I was listening to an interview from one of those people um, I think maybe earlier this month or a couple months ago and his name is Seth Godin and he's a marketer among other things but I read a lot of his books and I love watching his interviews and in one of the interviews someone asked him how like it seems like when you explain a point you always have the right story to illustrate that point? How come you always have the most perfect examples? And he responded by saying, well, because that's my job. That's that's what I do. What I do is I collect stories. And it clicked in my mind at that point that the reason these people are good at explaining things is not because they're different from me. It's just because they've spent a lot of time Figuring out what are the right stories? How do I tell these stories? What are the right examples? How do I phrase things to make it easier for people to understand? And they have actually practiced and mastered that. And then I realized, for for me, that's what I have to do too. Like, I've tried to do it, but since then, I've tried even more to sit down. And for a lot of the thoughts that I have, I try to have in my mind stories or examples or a way way of phrasing things so that it's easy to understand. Um, And, you know, what happens oftentimes is in, in our community, right, in the animal rights community, when people talk about animal rights, oftentimes what they'll do is they'll just listen to what other people who are talking about animal rights are saying, and then they'll just regurgitate that kind of like word for word almost. And they'll be like, I, I heard this from someone else who's an animal rights activist, so I'm gonna say the same thing. And that's fine, you, you can do that. But what I think is more interesting and more valuable is if you really try to break down how you understand something uniquely because we're all different, and how can you express that in such a way that someone who has never engaged with you can very easily follow what you're saying and be like, "You know, that, that was a that was a really interesting point. I've never thought about it like that. That is ultimately, if you want to be an educator, that is part of the job. And in some ways, that is the hard part of the job. It's extremely hard to do that. Um, you know, the other day, I, I sat down to write a, another live event that I was doing where I I was trying to summarize the the case for animal rights. And for for really the first time, I really sat down and I took a catalog of all the different things I could talk about, all the different examples. And I was like, okay, let me try to pick like the best stories and best examples to illustrate all the points that I wanna do. And I put this thing together and it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but the point is that I did that exercise and that as educators, that is part of the job and it's hard. And if it wasn't hard, everyone would be doing it, right? But it's hard work, but if you do it, then you're able to create things that are really valuable for others. And I think it's, it's just great
1: yeah well, you're definitely like absolutely nailing it like you know it's uh, that's what I, I love about your content is that yeah you you put things in a way that you know i've been you know it's pretty staunch vegan now for four years and it's like god i haven't even thought of it that way before you know you've just got something that is that is really unique and as gareth said you know everyone check out peace by vegan on youtube um we can't help but notice actually i mean you're, you're based in the uk and you know, things have been a little quieter up than usual on your your social media front lately um have you been taking some time to just sort of rest and recoup or um i know you say it's important that we evolve it as activists um is there some kind of secret project you've been working on or just doing a bit of evolving
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so, so it's kind of like a little bit of all that right um but the big shift in my life that happened about six months ago is that I started working full-time for Search Activism, which is an animal rights organization. And I'm a full-time filmmaker, animator, slash video editor for them. And that that has become uh, my full-time job. And even though before, it was not like I was making personal content full-time before that either, but this, like my my day job, so to speak... Uh, has always been kind of like more relaxed than it's been in the past uh, six months. The past six months have been um, a lot of hard work. And, you know, even though my personal channels are, uh, are are very quiet, in some ways, I've been working harder than I've ever had, uh, just not on my own content. Um, so, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is that I try to think about what is it that, like going back to the conversation about the end goal that we have and how it's important to know why you're doing something. When I thought about what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do ultimately now is I want to create resources online that are accessible for people and that are really valuable so that people can go back to those resources over and over again and so that people can share it with their friends. And I want to make things that are valuable for years to come. There are a handful of videos on the internet that I've watched many, many times, either because I find them very entertaining, or either because I find them fascinating, or because I always learn something new from watching them, whatever it is, but there's something there that keeps me coming back, and I realized that this is what I want to do, and in our current social media landscape, it feels like the general direction that kind of everyone is snowballing in is kind of kind of this race to the bottom where everyone is trying to put out as much things as possible and you want to put out something just because you think you are supposed to do that. And that's how I felt for a long time where I was like, I, you know, for about a year and a half I put out a video like every day. And I was like, this I, I need to put out something every day. And so it would get me in the mindset of what am I going to put out today? And it was a good exercise because I learned a lot from that. But today, I'm at a place where I'm trying to think, okay, I instead of trying to get something out in a week, I want to figure out what is the most valuable thing that I can be doing. And let me create that no matter what the cost is. So there is a project that I've been working on for a few months now, actually, um, on and off. Now, it's not like I, I've been working full-time on it since I have a full-time job. But on my off time and... You know, I've been trying to work on it as much as I can, but for the past few months, I've been working on this one project that I'm still working on, um, and it's a, it's a it's it's not a secret or anything. So, the, the topic of the video is on the sentience of aquatic animals and fish, and I really tried to do a deep dive into this topic and really understand it better than I've understood all the topics that I've ever spoken about. Um, you know, I read a couple of books to understand it, read, like... Pretty much all the studies that I referenced in the thing i wanted to understand exactly what i was talking about and i'm trying to to write this piece of content in a way that is going to be extremely informative but also entertaining and very pleasurable to watch and easy to share and, and all that so that's something i've been working on for a while and it's required me to learn uh, a lot of new things but also a lot of new skills and there's still more things that i even uh, I'm thinking that, you know, I there's still a lot of things I wish to learn in order to complete this project. And it's going to take me more time still. But I'm like, you know what? That's totally fine. Like, I I don't need to get this out tomorrow. I just need to make it as good as I can and get it out when it's ready. I, I do think I'm probably spending too much time on it. And p- part of it is probably not healthy as well. But But the positive side is that hopefully when it comes out is going to be as good as I can make it at this very moment. Um so that, that's what I'm working on. And that's really the reason why things have been really quiet on my personal channels.
0: Oh, well, that's fantastic. It's a yeah. whole thing of uh quality over quantity, isn't it? And, uh, oh, getting yeah.
1: that and that surge content right. is amazing. I mean yeah. everything you guys are putting out. I'm really <laughs> embarrassed now because I'm actually a writer for Surge. And so <laughs> Oh
2: really? That's and amazing.
1: I knew when when I first I said when I said we need to get, you know, we need to get Ryuji on the show and I, I knew that I'd seen you somewhere, but I know that you, you're involved in so many things. And then because I got collaborating with, with Renee from Rowdy Girl, I was kind of thinking, oh, that's it. That's where I've seen Ryuji. That's, you know, he's been working with that. But of course, mm-hmm. I, my immediate connection when I said that we needed to get you on the, on the show was with Serge. But then I got confused because you, you're just too busy. You're just doing too much great stuff all these past years you know but Serge is nailing it so now we yeah, know why I, I kept
0: on saying to Jackie over the last few months like they're really nailing it on the video content I've really got to learn how they're doing that editing like especially the paper sort of effect and stuff like that mm-hmm. like that has just been like capturing my imagination like um oh yeah you've been doing a fantastic job with the editing on that because yeah it's, it's wicked but, um yeah thanks
2: yeah
0: finally we should probably uh, close this up but um where can our audience go to follow your work? We'll be sure to provide some links, but if you want to tell us anywhere else they can check out.
2: Sure, I mean, the the my username everywhere is pretty much peace by peacebyvegan uh, on Instagram. My favorite platform is YouTube, where I only have a handful of videos there, but I'm really proud of all the work there. And that's really where I want to put out the bulk of my work in the future. It's not going to be often, But the pact that I'm trying to make or that I am making is that in the rare instance where I put something out, it's going to be really good and it's going to be worth your time. So that is kind of like the main platform that I would love people to check out. If you want more thoughts on what I have personally learned that have made me a more effective advocate, that's what my podcast is about. It's called The Animal Advocate Podcast, available on pretty much all platforms where podcasts are available um and yeah i'm on instagram too that's my biggest platform but yeah there, there's nothing n- regular like there, there's no regular new content coming kind of like anywhere so for, for now but uh yeah if you're looking for something new that's going to come out at some point is definitely on youtube
0: awesome well thank you so much for this and um,
1: yeah you're one heck of a busy guy <laughs> and you're just yeah just doing so much for the animals it's i really wonderful. hope
0: that um all of our content creating activists are watching this episode and um, learning as much as I am, you know, I'm looking forward to creating some more content after this. Um, But yeah, it's it's been so fantastic to learn from you and learn how much we should all be learning ourselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you for everything that you're doing.
2: Of course, thank you so much for having me. It uh, It was really fun.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview. We hope you have found it informative and entertaining. To learn more about Ryuji's work, Check out his social media feeds at Peace by Vegan. Once again, be sure to follow us on our social media pages for future episodes. And if you're enjoying our content, please leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. This has been Vegan FTA, Vegan for the Animals.